Hello and welcome to the Unthinkable Tech Podcast, the go-to source for the pulse and technology that's shaping our future. I'm your host Anmol Satija and this is another exciting episode where I'm joined by another bright mind who takes us through some interesting tech insights. Today we are going to explore a software architecture pattern that's becoming increasingly crucial in our hyperconnected world. That is even driven architecture or EDA to say. This architecture pattern is transforming how software systems respond to user actions, notifications and other events. It's a shift away from the traditional synchronous operations paving the way for systems that are more scalable, flexible and capable of handling massive amounts of data generated by users and devices. So to guide us through the intricacies of EDA, we are joined by Manoj Kaushik, Software Architecture COE Lead at Unthinkable Solutions. Manoj brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the table and I'm very excited to hear his thoughts. Welcome to the podcast, Manoj. Thank you, Anmol, for having me. I am thrilled to be here and excited to delve into some fascinating discussions. So, let's begin by understanding what exactly is EDA. So, primarily, the EDA is, or you can say event-driven architecture. It's a software design pattern in which the production, detection, and the conjunction of the events drive the flow of the software develop, uh, software system. Here, you need to understand like you need to understand the events as well, where like everything is revolving around the events. Whatever the user action is there, whatever the notification is there. So it's not a synchronous thing. It's more about revolving or the centerpiece is an event. Whatever there is an occurrence into the system, we need we implement a flow around that event that how it will be handled so uh, in addition to that can you explain how event driven architecture works for uh, better understanding okay so diving in deep let's understand the event first what is an event so to give an example if you are clicking on a something it is an event so it's a user generated event you are getting a notification on your mobile that is also an event so any occurrence in terms of where the state of where the state is changing of the system we define it as an event and with that thing in the centerpiece we decouple the architecture of the software by implementing certain components the components if we got deep in it so there are majorly two components in it one is the producer which is producing the event so in example when user is clicking on something that particular ui interface is producing that event right and then there is a event consumer so whatever the event has been produced mm-hmm. event has occurred so basis on that event there should be some processing that needs to be done into the system so that is the event consumer mm-hmm. for the collaboration of these two components there is a event broker so what happens the producer is generating the event 
that event is getting stored into the broker and from there with certain protocol the mm-hmm. consumer is reading that event that there is some occurrence of the event and now i have to fire the business logic to handle that event so the event broker necessarily if you understand it's a queue where like it's a queue like storage mm-hmm. and then there are certain uh, components like apache kafka the sqs the sns the rabbit mq certain open source queue systems that can be classified as the broker so these are the majorly three components one is the producer one is the consumer and third is the broker mm-hmm. that constitute the event driven architecture i think it is clear that event driven architecture is all about reacting to events which can be anything from user actions to system notifications considering the benefits you have outlined and the components that make eda so effective i think it's easy to see its potential impact and recently you know even a st- study suggested that 71% of businesses believe the benefits of event driven architecture outweigh the costs so based on that can you shed some light on uh, why event driven architecture has become increasingly important and popular in the modern digital landscape ah uh, sure so the point like why it is increasingly important in the modern digital landscape so we need to understand the evolution of the industry initially there was very less data and with the growing age mm. we can see we can observe that the amount of data being produced is humongous right and the traditional application or traditional software architecture you will find that there are certain limitations in terms of scalability to process that sort of data which is getting generated now nowadays so event driven architecture is becoming important because it gives you the decoupling uh, and the flexibility that ensures the scalability that ensures that you your software can process mm-hmm. the large of a uh, large amount of data that is getting generated nowadays so number of users number of transactions number of the user base with the large sort of system where there are uh, numerous uh, and with the specifically like the iot things are coming up right. that are generating the data every second so you need to have a system in place which is decoupled enough which is scalable enough to process that sort of that quantity of data and uh, and because of that like uh, the eda is getting more relevancy nowadays than the traditional software uh, paradigm right uh, maybe we can like you can mention some use cases that would help us to understand where it is more beneficial or where we should completely avoid it sure sure so when it comes to the like where it is beneficial as i mentioned in my earlier answer that the system which are large enough which are processing a lot of data mm-hmm. we will uh, see that event driven architecture has the applicability over there so for an example we are dealing with a microservices based uh, based uh, system we are dealing with a iot or event driven applications for an example uh, so i let me give you an example right 
so like there is a vehicle tracking system you can uh, take an example of simple uber where the how the uh, car is moving or how the vehicle is moving you are getting notified of that particular movement or you are getting into a google map similarly we have also created certain vehicle tracking systems in terms mm -hmm. of like uh, emergency response tracker for the ambulance and that sort of stuff so what is happening that every 5 second every 10 second the uh, there is a data that needs to be processed because that is actually getting you the location the geolocation of the system of the vehicle and if you and you imagine thousands of cars are playing around on the system on these roads and those are actually throwing the data every second or every two mm -hmm. seconds so there would be a large large number of data and there and that iot device which is actually uh, throwing that data we need to process all that data so in those sort of systems where we have a large scalable in terms of either we have large uh, user base or we have large data to process those sort of system we should go for the EDA. So do we have some stats for the client that can uh, maybe tell us the how it has increased the efficiency? So for the efficiency, if uh, you need to understand like how it works when it comes to the synchronous operations. Mm -hmm. So you are like your uh, your system is getting the data and at that very particular event you have to process that data so imagine a backend or a server which is processing the data in synchronous mode and thousand of cars are throwing the data onto the system at that point of time might be that you are needing so much amount of infrastructure that it is practically impossible to sustain right because that sort of consistency or synchronization cannot be achieved over there in terms of stats uh, and therefore like whenever and it's an applicability you need to understand what sort of applicability you have to do so there are two modes of data processing one is the data consistency mm -hmm. and the second is eventual consistency so when it comes to the data consistency for an example a transaction mm -hmm. a financial transaction you are doing something you need to you need an answer to that or response to that immediately right. because the money is involved mm -hmm. so a highly transaction system should be data consistent at that point of time yeah. whereas eventual consistency is that you do something it will be processed mm. and eventually the data become consistent not at yeah. the same point but eventual because there is, you you can afford some window over there mm -hmm. and when it comes to the event-driven applications or the IoT type applications or like the vehicle response tracker mm. that I just mentioned as an mm. example, eventual consistency can work because okay. what is happening, if the location of car, mm. you are getting it after two seconds or three seconds, it doesn't pose a problem to you, right? It mm. gives you, because it is an indication that, okay, this, this is how the car is moving. Mm. Two, three seconds will not do mm -hmm, anything. Mm -hmm. And that's where the eventually eventual consistency comes into the picture, right? Okay. And uh, in those sort of stuff where mm. we can go with the eventual consistency, mm. EDA can be a default choice. Can be a default choice. Yeah. Okay. 
so uh, like as per my understanding so there are certain industries right like you mentioned finance sector or the e-commerce sectors maybe uh, the finance sector will not be going towards eda because they need immediate response oh uh, not like that you cannot actually segregate the industry mm-hmm. in terms of uh, whether the eda is applicable or not mm. you need to understand the workflows okay. so eda can be applied on a component of a software Okay. No, not necessarily that the entire product is based based on EDA. Hmm. It is more around that you need to identify where we can decouple. Okay. So there can be some use cases in hmm. the vehicle tracking system as well, which is not based on the EDA. And then there can be certain use cases in the financial industry as well, where you can actually go with an eventual consistency. So it's more around that you need to. uh understand what sort of applicability or what is the workflow that we need not necessarily every time we need a synchronous communication or not necessarily we can apply eda any given workflow right so uh, how do companies integrate eda with their existing legacy system without causing major disruptions so to be honest with my experience this is quite a task it is really tough to implement eda with the legacy system why mm. because when you are retrofitting eda in a legacy system what happens that the system is generally a tightly coupled one because of the traditional software architecture so things are hooked you take an example of a what i can say say a mobile adapter or mobile charger adapter into the socket so with the different geographies you have got certain different hmm. adapters right? right in europe it is different in us it is different and in india it is different so if you think that okay let's uh, decouple it hmm. you need to understand where it it has to be right so eda is just like to plug in a universal adapter in between so eda you need to understand you need to identify where we can put in the adapter so mm-hmm. universal adapter is a thing where you are actually plugging your charger and basis on the geography you are mm-hmm. actually choosing what socket you are doing right mm-hmm. similarly you need uh, and that identification of where that adapter can fit in is a real problem to mm-hmm. sort because you uh, you need to understand the legacy system in depth yeah. what sort of consistency uh, you can actually afford you can yeah. afford an eventual consistency or not and then there uh, there would be specific challenge of the skill as well because when it comes to the eda yeah. it's not simplified for sure it gives an extra layer of complexity and that is in lieu of the scalability and decoupling that it actually brings on the table but then you need a very skilled and expert team hmm. to continue with the integration or like the retrofitting of the so have EDA. we done something like that for our clients i believe we have the right set of people with us yeah we have done that and basically like uh, there are uh, both the cases we have done uh, in terms of uh, modernization of a legacy system hmm. and uh, then creating a lot of systems 
in terms of like from scratch for a digital platform uh, where we have introduced the EDA wherever it can be, right? Specifically, when there is a benchmarking, okay, that this must this number of data or this sort of data we expect onto the system with this number of load. So we need we need to understand the benchmarking over there as well, where we and then basis on that benchmarking we need to choose whether mm. we can go with the EDA or we should not go. Okay. So there must be some certain challenges as well where organization like they face on a regular basis when transitioning to an event-driven model. Maybe you can highlight those challenges as well. Yes. So there are certain challenges and everything comes with for sure like there are pros and cons for everything. And right. when it comes to the EDA, there are it has its own challenges so one is that the complexity gets increased with the control flow so how mm-hmm. things happen like with a pretty simple thing you are doing something you are getting a response of that sort of stuff right so it's a say simple request response based structure you are requesting something you are getting a response and that's a traditional mindset that actually gets in to the people be it a business user or be it a technical team. Because right. what do you expect? You you question me, you expect an answer from me. And that's a normal course yeah. of law, right? But what, what happens with the EDA? It's a, altogether a different shift. And uh, like it's a cultural shift. And cultural shift is actually hard to uh, make. So what happens? You So just to understand a thing. So mm-hmm. you ask a question. And it's not that I am listening to it. It's more of a that there's some interface in between. Your mm-hmm. question is being recorded over there. Okay. And whenever I am getting the time, I read that, I listen to that question and I am giving mm-hmm. that answer. My answer is then transmitted to you. So it's a normal, it's not a normal uh, control flow. Mm-hmm. And that is a cultural shift. And basis on because of that cultural shift and not uh, like asynchronous communication thing, the complexity gets increased. Mm. So, like the debugging, the troubleshooting, the coding complexity, it gets increased. And if you don't have the expert and skilled team, right. it is hard to maintain as well. Mm. And the specific challenge over here is uh, like very realistic. Like if there is a flow in the implementation, you will find it really tough to understand the data consistency. You might be losing the data and you Mm. might not know where you are losing it. So, with the, like, uh, you need to have a very high and skilled uh, team in terms of when you are going for an EDA. And that is the biggest challenge that I have seen. Like, people have been trying and then there are certain issues with the data consistency and which is of utmost importance. So there must be a process that we follow to identify these challenges. Yes, so everything when it comes to the complexity or like when we know about the challenges, so there are always like a checklist that we follow in Mm. terms of like first of all the identification of the components, how things are and then implementation of the workflow and the monitoring of the thing. So workflows means we need to understand like when I was given an example of broker that your message is being recorded mm. some, recorded right. somewhere yeah. and then I am listening to it. Mm. 
so there should be a fail safe approach and proper logging in terms of it whether like the event is generated you have asked a question hmm. so that event is logged whether it has been recorded into the broker or not hmm. and then if i was able as a conju as a uh, consumer i hmm. was able to access that hmm. uh, question or not Right. So all those, so we need to monitor. We need to have a workflow or for a fail-safe approach. Whether if I fail to listen to that question hmm. for one time, then there should be a proper log or might be a retrial method hmm. where I can go for a second round. If uh, so, I fail to understand it. Okay, let's have another round because there should be a workflow that this has to be done again. So there is. no issue with the data consistency and all those uh, steps like there is seven to eight checklist that we mm-hmm. maintain with us that is given to the entire team and entire uh, monitoring team where we actually comply to that checklist to understand that there is no such issue occurring into the system okay so since we have talked about the challenges and how it can be integrated with the legacy system There must be some lesser-known facts about event-driven architecture that tech leaders should be aware of. Ah, uh, so I think we have already discussed about the peripherals of an event-driven architecture. But yes, as you ask for certain facts, mm-hmm. so one interesting thing uh, that uh, I can tell over here is that we can couple up the EDA with event sourcing. So. what do you mean by event sourcing is that any outcome right any current state is the outcome of certain events occurred in sequence mm-hmm. so this is the event sourcing and actually you can attain the immutability which can be a unique selling point of your software product with the eda coupling coupled up with the event sourcing so how things are so f- just to take an example so you are doing a financial product right mm-hmm. and now uh, what are, what you are checking that you are checking your balance might be your wallet balance or a bank balance whatever you want mm-hmm. take an example so how the current balance shapes up something gets in something gets credited mm-hmm. and then you are expand exp, uh, like there are certain expenses so there is some credit some debit and mm-hmm. that sort of event mm-hmm. those sort of events those are calculated and the result is your balance right right so if you have just the balance there might be a doubt whether this is right or wrong okay right or maybe it is tempered or not mm-hmm. yes. so if a software is just giving you a balance you cannot remember whether it is tempered or not it is actually the same amount or not right but if you have the entire history balance sheet right hmm. then you are sure of the immutability that whatever the balance it is showing it is right okay so same thing happens with the when we couple up the event driven architecture with event sourcing hmm. so what happens that every event is now recorded and saved into a persistent storage okay and the net outcome or the current state is the outcome of 
the entire chronology of the events so whatever uh, has happened that comes into that chronology mm-hmm. and the uh, the state the current state is calculated out of that chronology of the events that sort of immutability can be a very unique selling point so in one if i give you an example for one of a health tech product that we did in uh, in our company there the unique selling point was that immutability because like people right now are very are like very of the data can that the data can their data can be shared mm. to other players in the market right so that was the uh, unique selling point of that product that mm. the data is immutable okay. the data is given or accessible only the providers only to the providers mm. where the patient has given the permission consent yeah mm. so that uh, it was on a consent basis and consent basis we can say because it's a compliance thing so everyone will say that okay there is a consent in mm. place but how to ensure or how to give that credential to the statement that it is immutable or like it is not shared anyone else there so what we did over there that we were storing that consent event as well like how much like what okay. whatever the access so if there is any service that is accessing the data so that will be an event so mm-hmm. that was told consent given to a provider mm-hmm. that was an event that was told okay. provider asking for the consent that, that was, was an event that was also told so that entire chronology of event was told and it was accessible to the patient okay to understand that this is the entire chronology these many consent he or she has given these many consents he or she has been asked by the providers and based and up to what time they are so whenever the consent is revoked also that was also an event so that entire chronology we were uh, recording into the specific uh, user specific wallets hmm. like that we created a concept of wallet over there and it was a file personal to that particular user with a encryption key that was uh, that was only with the user only with the no patient. one else okay and basis on that we did that immutability and i think that was a, that is a fabulous example where we can actually get into that sort of thing as a usp i think that that must be a great success because uh, this has built this must have built a trust in the mind of the patient because it is very important for them to keep their data secure yes and uh, right now because of all the wariness of the, and like increasing in the security uh, breaches right this is actually a unique selling point this should be actually taken care of by the tech companies that how to how to ensure the privacy of the data rightly said manoj uh, so to summarize eda is a powerful architectural model that requires a clear understanding and a strategic approach to integration we always need to keep scalability data consistency and the cultural shift towards asynchronous communication in mind and most importantly we need to ensure that we have the right team with the necessary expertise to navigate the complexities that come with eda so as we wrap up this insightful conversation 
I would like to thank you, Manoj, for sharing your expertise on event-driven architecture. This was indeed an insightful session. Uh, thanks, Anmol, for inviting, and it's been great to be here. And thanks for all. Thank you. And to our listeners, we hope you have gained a deeper understanding of EDA and how it can impact your tech strategies. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Unthinkable Tech Podcast, where we'll continue to unravel crucial tech insights with the experts. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Also, do let us know the topics you want us to cover. Until next time, keep innovating and keep thinking the unthinkable.